Paparazzi's a boon! Bugard down the wing. Bugard falls away. Score! This should be good. This should be very good. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the 10th episode of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and today's guest, as you can read by the title, is one Mr. Mark McFarlane. Um, I had a lot of fun doing this one because, actually, I grew up a Quad City Mallards fan, and that's where he spent most of his career. So it was it was really cool to be able to talk to him and hear some stories from, you know, Toporowski and Gary Goulash and everything like that. And, you know, Toporowski himself is a legend, and Gary Goulash put up a hell of a lot of pims over there. And Mark actually had his number retired by the Mallards along with Toporowski. And I think they have a couple others I can't quite think off the top of my head. But it was uh, – it was real special because I got to uh, grow up watching Mark, uh, Mark McFarlane and the boys on the Quad City play, and those are kind of the teams that, <clears throat> excuse me, those are kind of the teams that got me into hockey growing up and kind of lit the fire in me and, you know, turned me into a really huge hockey fan at a young age. So it was really kind of cool to talk to one of the guys I used to watch growing up and get the insight on the Mallards and how much he appreciated it and talking about old food spots and everything like that. You know, some of the spots we mentioned, I still go to every time we go home up there in the quad cities. Cause as you know, I'm living down here in Tampa, but nonetheless, you got to bear with me here on this, on this again, because again, I'm down in my lovely auxiliary office. So <laughs> I'm got my laptop down in an old box of, uh, it was the, the food or excuse me the the dog food box it was the box that was like that we shipped our dog or our dog food got shipped in for our pup out there so it's the last time my desk was supposed to be delivered yesterday it didn't and of course it got delivered today and we didn't have time to put it up or uh, put it together in time to get it up and running so this will be the last episode so I do apologize again no uh what's it called no pop filter on the mic so the p's and t's might sound a little funny so i do apologize and bear with me but no mark was awesome you get to hear some some great stories you know playing against madison where he fought uh or excuse me he didn't fight but got to see howie rosenblatt fight link gates and even had uh one mystery uh some some of you guys might know this name uh dave the hammer schultz he was the head coach over there in madison you get to hear about him going after uh, mcfarland after a fight on the bench so that's pretty funny, but nonetheless, man, it's uh, this has been fun. I can't believe you know it's already ten episodes. It seems like just yesterday I started this, and I've already got some great interviews out there with the boys. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, and this was a really cool experience. But you know, it is. I'm gonna keep grinding, and it's it, it does get a little bit hard at times, especially now with the job. But luckily, the job is um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, the job is closing out this Saturday, so I should be able to get. More guests lined up. I don't see this is almost kind of a last minute thing. I had I had to rush home. <laughs> I was getting off at about seven, and the interview was at seven thirty, and I had about a forty minute drive home from work. So I was doing my best uh, Dale Earnhardt impression, trying to fucking race home to get it done. But hey, we got it done, and that's all that mattered. But you know, before we get to the interview, um, I'd like to mention that Five for Fighting podcast is actually a proud partner of the twenty nineteen Mustache Classic Ice Hockey Outing benefiting men's cancer and suicide prevention in cooperation with the Movember Foundation on November 16th, 2019 at the Danbury Arena in Danbury, Connecticut. And yes, for those who know, that is where the infamous Danbury Trashers played. We are joined in partner by Champion Elevator, Roosters Hockey Wax, Boost Oxygen, Sprig CBD Sodas, 
two for roughing designs, Grand Supply Company, the team, the Danbury Hattricks, who are in the FHL, or excuse me, FPHL now, and of course, TK's American Cafe. Another media partner by them is also uh, my boy William over there at the Biscuit. He just had an interview with John Luke Grandpierre, so go check that out. And he just had, he had another one with my favorite Leaf fan, Farmer Rob. Go check him out. Robert, or uh, Farmer Rob is one of the few Leaf fans I actually enjoy talking to. He's an old, old Leafs fan. He loves talking the old school game and everything like that, and it's always fun. He actually has an episode with Fourth Line Voice you can go back and check out. And Fourth Line Voice just had an episode with Chris Graff, so... You can check that one out as well. He talks about, you know, slaying the Jolly Giant uh, known as Zidane Chara back in the dub, which the video's out there. Just look up uh, Chris Graff versus Chara, and you'll be able to check it out and see him actually. I don't think it's a one-punch, but he definitely uh, – it's definitely a TKO. He didn't, he didn't completely knock him out, but he hit him good. And as the story goes, according to Chris, it was actually – he tagged him a lot. Of, it was It's a funny angle, but according to Chris Graff, he tagged him. And, I mean, I could believe it because – Graf was a bad fucking dude back in the day uh, from all the footage I've seen and the way people talk about him. So it was fun hearing that story. But And then, of course, you got to get the Gate podcast. You just had an episode with Eric Lindros that was fun to listen to. I was, I'm a big Lindros fan, so it's fun to hear about um, you know Big E and some of his stories and things like that. And, of course, over at the Slewfoot Show, they just did the um, Atlantic Division preview. And then... Uh, my good friends over there um, at Obey the Puck, you know, Dan, Paul, and Kelly, they just had an episode talking about the, uh, actually the recent ECHL, uh, what was it, the, well, I don't know, what fight rule or fighting restriction, which I think is absolutely fucking ridiculous that they even put it in. I was going to do a filler episode and bring that up, but I think that's a, um, that's a whole other can of worms, and I'm trying not to make this intro crazy long because I could really get into it, but just the way I see it, kind of, I'll, I'll touch on it for two seconds here, but... The way I see it, they basically came out, and I'm trying to go off memory here, but if you have more than 10 fights, it's a one-game suspension or something like that, and, you know, a fight after that results in more suspensions and stupid shit like that. It was like, it was a, I did the math and real quick, and it was like a 20, it's about a 20-man roster, and there's 20, there was like 20-something teams. So the total of players came out to 520 players, including like a 20, just on a regular 20-man roster. Out of the 520 guys that fought, only 18 exceeded that 10-fight limit last season. So they're going to sit there and neuter the uh, the fighters of that league because of 18, <laughs> 18 guys out of the 520 that played. But somehow the fighting is an issue, I guess. But absolutely insane to me. I can't believe they actually did it, but it's... It's just how it is. It's in all leagues now, and that's what kind of, you know, these this podcast is for, to sit down and appreciate the guys and the games of yesterday and, you know, hear the stories because now it's, like, almost taboo to even talk about fighting, which is crazy to think about. But And you got, of course, Darren at the Fourth Line Voice, who has got many interviews um, with dudes like Joey Tedarenko, Max, or excuse me, Max Mittendorf, you know, guys like that, and list goes on even still screwy st louis you can go check those out but you know where he described it best before i started the podcast i kind of talked to him about everything and you know it's it's an island man there's no uh excuse me there's no other podcast doing this so it's it is what it is you know you gotta kind of take it with a grain of salt with how everything is looked down upon these days with fighting everything like that but at least there's still stories and there's guys out there willing to tell the stories 
and let it be known and appreciate everything. So, you know, thank you to Darren for doing what he does and William over at the biscuit for doing what he does. Cause he also likes to interview a lot of the fourth line guys. So other than that, it's pretty much, it's pretty much it, man. There's no other, no other guys doing it. So it's sad to say, but it just, it, it just kind of happens that way. Cause it's not what the main focus is anymore these days. Not that fighting was the main focus back in the day, but surely it was more prominent, but Anyways, I think I've rambled on long enough there. I told myself I wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't go on the ECHL tangent or tangent, but here I am doing it. But nonetheless, um, again, you didn't come here to hear me yap. So enough, without further ado, I'll pass it over to the interview with Mark McFarland. Thanks, everybody. Hope you enjoy. This should be good. This should be very good. Hello, everybody, and today's guest on the Five for Fighting podcast here for the 10th episode, a man who racked up 2,620 career penalty minutes, had his number retired by the Mallards, and is in the Quad City Mallards Hall of Fame, one Mr. Mark McFarland. Mark, how you doing today? Hi, Alec. How are you? Doing oh, good? Doing good? Good, man. You know, like we just talked about, raced home to get this uh, <laughs> get this going here for you. Didn't want to take up too, uh, too much of your time and leave you waiting. No, man, no, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, visit the past, so I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. Well, we'll just dive right into your career here, then we'll uh, get it. Well, actually, before we do that, what are you up to now? I always like to discuss, I always like to see what guys are up to after the uh, the, the life of hockey. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I've been working for the same company now for uh, 17 years. Uh, the National Federation of Independent Business, we're a small business lobbying organization. Uh, we work in... Uh, Washington DC and all 50 state capitals and uh, I basically sell memberships to every kind and size of independent business and uh, I enjoy it I meet some great people and uh, you know make a living at it so uh, you know it's, it's, it's been good for me well nice man good to hear you're doing well well that's that's quite the change from what you did on the ice eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it helps me a little bit right like because that fight never leaves you so you know when you're in a sales position I think, uh, you know, it's always a fight. Uh, yeah, you do a little more fighting with your words now than you do with your fist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's been close a couple times, but uh, you got to walk the line, right? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's just people out there. You just you wish you could punch them and go sit in the box for five minutes again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't go to the box. You go to the clink. <laughs> yeah, you, you, go to the, you go to the big house box there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Well, you started your career off in uh, Swift Current, and how did that kind of happen? Did you play Junior B before that? Because I know some of the stats for Junior B are a little shaky. They get kind of lost, so... Uh, I was just wondering how you kind of managed to get in the dub there. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, uh, back in the day, we didn't have all the social media and everything and, and uh, the, you know, the Internet. and You know, uh, record keeping was shoddy at best. Some of the rinks, uh, you know, he uh, wouldn't even be on the ice and you'd get two or three assists, you know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I played uh, I played junior hockey in my hometown when I was 15 years old in uh, Amherst, Nova Scotia, and uh, – you know, I started there. I played uh, my 15, 16-year-old year there. I uh, was named captain, believe it or not. I was 15, and I was, like, hanging out with these 20-year-old men, and I was the captain of the team. And and uh, we were a lowly team in the league, but uh, it was my hometown, and, uh, you know, you chance to play in front of all your buddies and, and whatnot. And uh, so I did that uh, for uh, two years, so 15, uh, 15 16, 16, 17, um, you know, and had success in the league and fought like, you know, 20 year olds, uh, 
takes me back to you know those days and uh, you know I, I fought uh, guys like Dennis Bonvey was in the league then with uh, oh, wow. Anganish, uh, Bulldogs. What a yeah yeah 15 years old right fighting that guy as strong as an ox and uh was more of a wrestling match man but he, he was a strong guy and uh you know so there are like men in the league that I was fighting it and uh you know we have to play against uh, a team <clears throat> from Cole Harbor Nova Scotia um coached by a guy named Rusty James. And I don't know if you know that James name. It's kind of uh, infamous now with uh, with his brother Graham, who coached with Kern at the time. Um, you know, long history there. I don't know if you've followed it. In, in Canada, it's huge. And in, in tight hockey circles, it's uh, a big deal where a lot of players were molested uh, oh, by wow. Graham. Uh, he served time in federal penitentiaries, and uh, some pretty, uh, pretty famous guys got... Uh, you know, got molested by him and, uh, you know, ended up being my teammates later on. But um, back to the story, um, I was just, I was playing uh, against this team, Cole Harbor, uh, as a, you know, 16, turning 17 year old. And I came out of the locker room after the, the game and uh, there's the coach, Rusty James, was waiting outside the locker room and, and uh, called me over and he said, Hey, how would you like to, how would you like to play Major Junior? And I'm like, Major Junior, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd love to play it. Where, what are you talking about? Where, where, where you know, where? Right. And uh, he's like, well, my brother's the, the head coach of the Swift Current Broncos in the Western Hockey League. And, uh, you know, they've been looking for a guy like you for a long time. And, uh, you know, I think you could, uh, could have a shot at it. And so that's kind of how the wheels got started on that. Uh, you know, I ended up uh, keeping in touch with Rusty throughout the year uh, a little bit and ended up uh, getting contacted by Graham, his, his uh, brother. Uh, he ended up coming out to Nova Scotia, where I'm from, uh, with another player uh, who I ended up playing with, Jeff Knight, and came to my softball game and, uh, you know, came over, met my parents and did all that kind of thing. And I got the invite to camp and... Uh, Went out there and, and uh, you know, I, I was penciled in, but I didn't have a spot. I had to earn the spot, and uh, I had to do some, some work uh, to earn that. Absolutely. Well, did you kind of go out swinging right there in training camp, or did it kind of come to you later a little bit? Because, I mean, you dove right in. <laughs> you put up over 200 pims your first season there. So did you kind of just start fighting anybody and anyone out in training camp, or how did that kind of come about with the uh, the kind of fight role you had? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I went in there like uh, a lot of guys. Um, I mean, I'm from Nova Scotia. I, I moved away like uh, almost 3,000 miles across the country. And there was a farming uh, community, really tight-knit community uh, in Swift Current. And I remember walking into the locker room and, and uh, you know, these big farm kids, like, uh, you know, farm boys. I mean, they were six five, you know. 230, 240, great big, and I was walking around, looking around, and I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> what am I getting myself <laughs> into here? You know what I mean? And uh, I, I guess I just sucked it up, but uh, uh, in the camp, I had a great camp, um, and again, I never had a spot. I had to earn a spot there. Uh, I was competing uh, with my role with a guy named Frank Bialois, um, who you probably know well. Um, yeah, had him on the show. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. So, uh, Frank, yeah, Frank was, uh, coming in from Estevan, I believe he was Estevan Bruins in the SJHL. And, uh, you know, I was this no name guy coming from the Maritime junior, you know, junior hockey league in, in uh, Atlantic Canada. 
and I don't know if he knew me. I knew the guys like <clears throat> that I had to fight. I think I mean, you can kind of tell. And so Frank and I had a couple goes, and uh, I ended up doing pretty well against him in both of the fights. I, you know, I fought him, I think, twice in the same like uh, scrimmage. Yep. And uh, you know, and then we had the the blue uh, the blue and white game, and I ended up scoring a couple goals. Like you know, just, I don't know if they went off my head or off my body or what in front of the net, but I uh, you know I ended up putting a, putting a couple goals behind the, the goaltender. Uh, played some exhibition games and did well there as well. And uh, you know, they did a write up in the paper uh, about me after you know I made the team and, and uh, you know said how much you know that I was an opportunist and that I you know capitalized on all my chances and and uh, you know so it, you know I mean like I said I didn't have a job I earned the job and uh, thank God I did because uh, we ended up winning uh, winning the Memorial Cup that year. And, Your uh, first year, what a year! You, you know, fought by Lois and won the Memorial Cup. <laughs> Yeah, well, I fought, I fought, I fought a lot more guys than him. But, oh uh, yeah, but yeah, you know, um, yeah. But I mean, I, that was the guy I had to earn the job from, right? Because like, he was, uh, he was looking for my my job, and uh, you know, I didn't want to really go home. Like, you know what I mean? I wanted to stay, and it was always a fear for me of like, you know, losing my job. And, right. And I kind of, and a lot of times too, like where I grew up. I mean, you know, we grew up. Uh, you know, with humble, humble means and, you know, an opportunity to, to get out of that. And I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like I, I fought for it and, uh, you know, so that's kind of the way I got there. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it paid off for you too. Well, you, not, you only, you led the, or excuse me, not led the league. You led the team in PIMS and you managed to put up 51 points. I mean, there's not much more they can ask for. Yeah, no, I had a great year there. Um, I played with some great players. I ended up playing uh, playing on the right wing with uh, Brian Sackick, uh, Joe Sackick's brother, and Brian, uh, you know, unbelievable passer. I mean, I just would get open. I mean, and you know, I was probably like second, third line there, and but I fought too. I spent a lot of time in the box, but I played power play in front of the net and, and that kind of thing. But uh, you know, Brian used to he had the same stick from. Uh, you know, the beginning of the year to the end of the year was all chewed up by the end of the year because he never really shot the puck, man. He was just an unbelievable passer that could find you, like, he had eyes in the back of his head. And uh, I knew if I could get open and, uh, you know, I could, uh, you know, he was going to find you. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that was, uh, you know, I mean, and again, I mean, I knew my role. I knew my job. I was not, uh, and we had unbelievable guys on that team, uh, you know, Jeff Sanderson, um, we had uh, Sheldon Kennedy was on that team. Yep. Um, you know, future NHLers. I mean, we had some some great players uh, on that team. A lot of guys that went to Europe after that. A lot of guys that played in the A and the I after that. Um, we had an unbelievable team. We were uh, Swift Current Broncos that year. We were ranked the number one uh, junior team in Canadian hockey league history. Oh wow! Um, I mean, we we went we went 16 and 0 in the playoffs, man, to get to the Memorial Cup and. Uh, you know what an unbelievable feat uh small town you know had a bus crash uh, a couple of years before that lost four players two of the guys i played with uh the kruger brothers darren and trevor trevor was our all-star goalie darren was an all-star defenseman they lost their brother uh, in that crash a couple of years earlier and our assistant coach lauren fry was the uncle of those boys and uh you know so for with, with uh with those guys i mean uh you know what uh 
what a bunch of courage like to come out and play after losing you know your brother and, and uh you know basically family members there you know and, absolutely and yeah for sure man i mean and you know to even to win that memorial cup you know it had to have been pretty special for them after everything they kind of been oh. through so that was that, that's awesome man man it was the whole city and the whole state and basically the whole country that was you know cheering for us right you know and uh you know, and then all the stuff that came out later with Graham and stuff, it, it was, uh, you know, it was uh, just as rich, for sure. Absolutely. Well, the next year you played, you ended up racking up 10 more points and <laughs> put up 275 pims, leading the team again. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? We had some other guys there. I mean, we had uh, a guy named Wade Smith. That was one of the, like, six foot five guys that were there. Um, that took care of like uh, you know some of the bigger boys and stuff like that too. Um, another guy, Kevin Barrett, uh, like yep. a tough defenseman from uh, Manitoba. Um, you know, so we had we had uh, some toughness. Peter Soberlack, I mean, was a first rounder to Edmonton, and uh, man, I never seen a guy throw a, a harder punch in my life than I seen him knock somebody out one night, man. And I was sitting on the right front of the bench, and I was like, <laughs> it hurt me. It hurt me sitting on the bench, <laughs> right? You know, so so we all kind of looked out for each other uh, out there. Um, you know, there were some tough boys in that league. I mean, back in the day, um, you know, you got Reed Simpson. I mean, uh, Dan Cordick. Um, you know, Toporowski. I mean, I was going to ask uh, if you had any uh, you had any run-ins with Topper while you were playing in Swift Current because he was he was tearing it up over there in Spokane. Yeah, he was. I remember one time, man, and, and Topper's a good buddy of mine, right? Like, we sat beside each other in the locker room and quad for, like, you know, four years, right? Yep. <laughs> and just laughed, you know, all the time and, and uh, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. But they were in the Western Conference, so we only played them, like, uh, twice a year. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. You know Topper. I mean, like, you know, he's quiet until you you know what i mean you, you pick him off right or you get in his face <laughs> i think i remember one time man going up to him and uh we were in swift i think i ended up like fighting this guy marco fuster who was a tough tough kid like uh I, I fought him like i think twice in that game and so and he was my size right like he was like i mean i'm five nine and a half i mean back then i i played at like 180 you know what i mean yeah you're listed down and here fuster, at 185 yeah, yeah. So Fooster was like uh, right around my size, man. Tough kid, and we had some good, good battles. And uh, you know, and I, I remember running into Topper a couple times and just like looking at him and it's like getting right in his face and just laughing. <laughs> I made him laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fucking. That's that's great, man. It's funny because I that that record will never be broken. That five hundred and five fucking penalty minutes in a season. That's unreal to even think about these days. But that's, that's uh, never uh, going to be touched. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. You know what I mean? The guy was like, uh, <clears throat> you know, the kind of guy, like off the ice, wouldn't he? He looks like a Philadelphia lawyer with his glasses, and, and he's a very successful uh, financial planner and everything now. And, and uh, you know, all business. He used to go to work there in Quad because he was doing his business then with, you know, black eyes, right? And, and people would show up at his office. There. He had a little raffle going there for you know, you do a 50-50 raffle and get people's contact numbers, and then they come over to the, to the office, and uh, Topper had black eyes on him, right? But uh, I'll tell you, you'll, you'll never meet a tougher guy, uh, a team guy, and would fight like anybody, anytime, oh, yeah. any place. You know what I mean? 
absolutely. I I'm a huge Toporowski fan, man. I I grew Not up, well, you know, I grew up watching guys like yourself and Goulash and everybody like that. We'll we'll get to them later, of course. But I mean, Toporowski is sure. one of my all time favorites. Like, absolutely, I, I love yeah, yeah. Topper, <laughs> and it's cool. Real he's still good, he's still out man. there in Bettendorf. <laughs> Well, yeah, man. He still lives up there. He's got a got a family there, and uh, you know, of course, his boys are doing great. And uh, yeah, so you'll get there. But I mean, yeah. So I mean, uh, that time in that league, man. Like I'm telling you, he earned every bit of that 500 minutes because uh, there were some guys in that league, man, that were just there for that purpose. And, oh yeah, uh, they were trying to hurt. They were trying to hurt you. You know what I mean? The league was and, an absolute uh, jungle back then, man. It was insane. Well, you know what, and and. Uh, a lot of times you fought out of fear, man. Like you didn't want to get hurt. Like you know, I mean, you you, took, you know, you messed with the wrong guy or you took your eye off a guy, and uh, you know, back in the day, you got away with a lot more than than they do today, right? Oh yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, nowadays, if I always laugh, one of my favorite Toporowski clips is him in Spokane. I forget who he's who they're playing. Um, but there, it's the Memorial Cup, and it's against some team in Quebec uh, from the QMJHL, and I can't for the life of me remember it, and it's gonna piss me off, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get shit on by people listening, like, oh, I can't believe you can't fucking remember this shit. But, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's sitting yeah. there, and he's he's like elbowing a guy while he's down after he was he wasn't even in there in the fight to begin with, and then somebody ended up coming and challenging him, and Topper just dummies him, starts throwing bows at him while he's down. And then takes his chain and hands it off to a teammate on the bench, <laughs> like just mugged, yeah. like literally oh, yeah. mugged the guy. <laughs> like, I remember that. I remember that. that. And that was one of his. That, he wasn't the only guy he did that to. He he always liked to get a souvenir. That was his. That was his trademark. Fucking topper mugging yeah. people. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's too great. I didn't. I didn't know he did that to more people. That's awesome. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> so the next year. You play eleven games in Swift Current, and then you you end up going off to a uh, university. What was it like? What was like the transition like for you going to a university as opposed to the dub? Well, I mean, it was uh, it was basically the dub because uh, the team I went to, we had uh, you know Canadian university hockey is a lot different than American. Like uh, a lot of guys will, will play their junior hockey. Um, major junior hockey and then you know if they don't go to the nhl you get money from the league to go to college in canada after that so you're basically like a 21 year old freshman when you go there right yeah and we had uh at acadia i mean we had an american hockey league team there basically we, we could have beat a lot of american hockey league teams in fact uh a team from one of my old rival teams comes down here every year to, to maine and, and uh, boston college and bc and bu and lowell and all them guys and they they beat them like, you know, the uh, uh, Portland Pirates were in the American League and the team from uh, University of New Brunswick came down and, and beat them, you know. I mean, it was Washington's uh, farm team, you know. The number one farm team in the American League and, and the university boys, like, you know, whooped up on them, right? So yeah. <clears throat> that league, um, and it, again, it's, hockey's a lot different now. You couldn't do as much. I mean, there was no fighting, um, you know, and, and even, like, suspect hits i mean you would lose games and there you didn't play many games right but um so you, you really had to temper it quite a bit like uh i was basically like just a heat season missile um in that league and uh, we had a few of them a guy colin gregor um played in the dub for a long time uh, i think he might have had a cup of coffee in, in the minor pro as well um 
fucking hit like a truck. I mean, and we ran around there, man, in, in our league and, and uh, dominated for two years. Actually, for all four years, but we ended up losing uh, uh, my fourth year there. Um, the first, the first year I went there, we had, we made it to nationals, and four of us got suspended for the national championship game, so we couldn't play because of accumulation of misconducts, <laughs> and so we ended ended up losing uh, to the University of Alberta that year. Um, went back the next year, beat Alberta uh, in the preliminaries, and ended up beating uh, University of Toronto twelve one at Maple Leaf Gardens in the championship game. And uh, had a party that uh, you know I'll never forget. That's awesome! Wow, what well, you beat them in their own barn? Nice. <laughs> I'm sure they were really <laughs> really thrilled about that. Great right downtown Toronto. Absolutely. Well, the next year after you finished uh, finished playing for university, there you uh, you end up in the Southern Hockey League. How did that kind of happen with the Winston Salem Mammoths? And yes, that's a real team name for those out there listening. <laughs> Yeah, I ended up in Winston, man. It was a, uh, it was a uh, kind of a, a crazy year. Like, I lost my stepdad that year, and then uh, you know, uh, longtime girlfriend and I broke up. And I had a job, man. I wasn't going to play anymore. I, I had a job working with like uh, handicapped uh, individuals, and I was supposed to start uh, on a Monday or a Tuesday or something. And I get a call. Um, from a couple of my old teammates, Kevin Knopp and uh, uh, Dennis Broxton were in Dayton uh, in the East Coast League, <clears throat> and the, the, their team was struggling. It was like October or something, right? And uh, <clears throat> they're like, you know, Marco, we need a guy like you down here. Uh, talk to the coach, man. You're on the team you're in. Like, you, you know, do you want to come? <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, man, do I want to go sit there and work in a, like, a, you know, adult, uh, taking care of adult uh, people with learning disabilities? Uh, every day or do I want to keep playing and go skate so I, I decided to go and uh, ended up going down to, to Dayton uh, Ohio and <laughs> got there Jim Playfair was the head coach and uh, I, I and I wasn't in shape man I didn't I didn't do anything I was done playing right so I said well Nopper I said they got to give me some time to get in shape I said I haven't been in shape and everything else like that so I got there and the team's losing and they got injuries and everything else and that's why I did I think I practiced like for two days and the coach is like, calls me in the office. He goes, yeah, you're in tonight. He goes, but don't fight. And I'm like, okay, coach, I'm like, really, I'm in, I, you know? So I go in, <laughs> I go in, man, my first shift, and some guy, I don't even know who it was, I can't even remember now, but some guy, like, hit me along the side of the boards and rattled me, man, and, I, and he stopped and stood there, and I was just like, you know, what's your natural instinct, right? <laughs> right. So next thing I know, my gloves are off, and I'm fighting the guy, and, uh, Ended up fighting, you know, wasn't much of a fight, but, uh, you know, you get uh, get it back into you a little bit, and uh, you're like, okay, man, that felt pretty good, you know. Um, so I ended up there and uh, did all right. Uh, they got some guys sent down. I, I think it was Dallas they were uh, affiliated with because Ken Hitchcock was the coach of Dallas then, and uh, they had asked them about me and everything else because I hitch coached in uh, Kamloops when I was playing Swift Current and, you know, I fought. Uh, I fought all those guys. I, you know, Paul Cruz. I had a good tilt with him and and Cam Loops uh, and juniors, and did pretty good. I mean, around the league and in, in Swift Current. I mean, or in, in the Western Hockey League. I mean, I, I did good there. And uh, so he said, yeah, yeah, get that guy if you can get him. You know, he'll fight anybody. And and uh, you know, he's a pretty good player. So I ended up staying in Dayton only for like a cup of coffee. But uh, Dallas sent down a bunch of guys. You know how it is. And uh, um, so they put me on waivers. I got picked up by Raleigh. Um, 
you know, in, in the coast. I go down there, Kirk Kleindorf's the coach, and just a different culture for me. I didn't uh, really uh, hit my stride there. I ended up playing, I don't even know, a few games there. And, uh, yeah, you and ended up playing three, it looks like. Yeah, a few games there in Raleigh. And then uh, Brof picked me up uh, in Hampton Roads. And uh, so my father played for Brof, Bill Riley. Um, we played uh, third black player to play in the league in the NHL there at Washington and uh, rookie of the year and in the 70s there. And, uh, and they gave me three days in the hotel in Raleigh and said I had to find <laughs> my way, right? And uh, so I called him. I said, Ralph, I need, I need somewhere to go. Like, I, you know, I need a place to play. I'm down here and uh, I got my suitcase and my hockey bag and I'm down here in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> and uh, I got to find a place to play, you know. So anyways, he's like, okay, let me get on there. I'll get on the phone. He make a few calls and stuff. And uh, I ended up, uh, a guy from Acadia uh, had a mutual friend of mine that uh, knew a guy that was down in that Raleigh, that triad area there. So I ended up going to his house, man, and hanging out with him for about a week and uh, just staying there and then um, get a call from uh, uh, Al McIsaac, who was uh, Bro's assistant coach. I think he's with the Blackhawks now. From Nova Scotia, boy, too. So, um, you know, they were going to help me out and give me a shot. And uh, I said, yeah. And then Brof got on the phone and called me. He's like, yeah, was he in shape? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, not bad. <laughs> I was in terrible shape. <laughs> uh, he's like, well, we're playing in Hampton. Or, or, no, we're playing in Raleigh tonight. So uh, bring your bags and come to the game. Like that. So I grab all my stuff, man. I end up going to the rink and, uh, you know, watching the game and then going down to their locker room after the game and meeting Brof. And he's like, yep, get on the bus. We're going uh, – you're coming on the bus with us. So I get on the bus with these guys. I don't even know. And uh, I can't remember where we went, like Wheeling or somewhere after that. It was like, uh, they had one more game on the road trip. And it was just before Christmas at this point. And uh, so, I, you know, I go on the bus, whatever, they finish the road trip. We go back to Hampton and it's Christmas time. So all the guys go home and I'm in uh, Hampton Rose, Virginia beach, you know, by myself in this apartment, I got, I got in there. I think Steve Richards and Aaron Downey was, uh, uh, on the team as well. Yep. And, uh, so I got a room with those guys and they all went back home because they had like a week off or something, seven days or five days. And so they all went back to Canada and wherever they went. And so I, you know, so I'm staying in this apartment on, uh, Christmas day, walking the beach by myself. Right. <laughs> and, uh, end up, you know, finding a place to eat. There's only like two places open, I think on the whole beach that day. And uh, I end up, uh, you know, finding a restaurant, getting a bite to eat, and, and uh, you know, hanging back at the hotel there. And uh, anyway, so I played with them. Uh, I played with Hampton. I, I, I started practicing with them when they came back. I ended up playing a few games there, like 10, 12 games there. And, uh, you know, same thing, man. They got guys came, uh, came down. I think it was uh, maybe Washington there, too. And uh, so, man, I, all of a sudden, uh, both just said, listen, uh, my good buddy's coaching down in Winston-Salem. He goes, I want you to go down there, and uh, I'm going to get you back up. He goes, I'll get you back up here. He goes, you can play here. He goes, I'll get you back up here, right? So I said, all right, where's Winston-Salem? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> all right, and how do I get there? He goes, oh, yeah, they're going to send you a bus ticket. So anyways, I get a bus ticket from, uh, you know, whatever the guy in the front office called. And I ended up going to Winston, and uh, – 
played good there, man. We had a good team, and uh, you know, I listened to a little bit of Goose's thing, man. All them stories are true too. And I remember Goose going down the going down the beach <laughs> in, on that uh, little uh, motorcycle and stuff down the beach. I remember that, man. But we were all doing it, man. We were all out. Oh, that's you know great. what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, how do you uh, how do you go to Daytona Beach and and it was spring break too while we were down there. And, oh uh, yeah, you just you, know, you can't not go to the beach then. <laughs> oh man. You know, we go to the beach, and uh, you know what time is it? What time is it? We got to go to the game. We got to go to the game. So <laughs> we go back to the hotel and get dressed and and uh, go to the rink. Five minutes after the game, everybody's like, "What's going on here, man? It's like a it's like a bomb went off or something." That the locker room was empty, and uh, everybody's back at the hotel changing their clothes, and we we're back on the beach. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the way to do it, man. Live the the life of minor <laughs> pro hockey. It <laughs> <laughs> was a lot of fun. Well, before we talk about some of the guys on uh, on the Mammoths here, I, I got to ask, man, do you have any good Brophy stories? Because I've heard nothing but that guy is an absolute legend, and all the stories that you hear are just fucking too great. I got to hear if you have one. There's, there's so many good ones, and like I said, my, my father, Bill Riley, played with him uh, for a long, long time, and, and uh, you know, they have a love affair. I mean, he just passed not too long ago. My, my father went to the funeral and everything like that. Um, but man, he, he was a tough, he was a tough SOB, you know what I mean? And I, I mean, I didn't know him. I, I knew of him, but I didn't know him. Right. And, uh, you know, so I mean, a couple of things while I was there, I mean, um, you know, I remember we were playing so bad one night, uh, I can't, I think it might've been even a home game and, uh, you know, he, he comes in the locker room and, uh, doesn't say a word and everybody knows something's coming. Right. And so. He just fucking turned the lights out and left. <laughs> and so we're in there in between periods in the fucking pitch black. And then boys are just sitting there chuckling. Like, what the fuck's going on? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, you know what I mean? What's going on here, right? And then, like, the horn goes and like, to start the second or third period or whatever it was. And then he comes in. He goes, he goes, he turns the light, lights on. And he goes, I hope you. He said, I hope you motherfuckers are ready to play right now because the fucking first period you played like you were playing in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. It sounds so, like classic yeah, trophy. So that was one I remember. And then I remember like, he chewed too, right? So, And uh, I was a chewer and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I remember he always had his, like, four or five guys, man. He'd come by and, like, pinch your stomach and, like, you know, oh, you're fat, you're a fucking shake there, you're a he had his little club, right? Like you had to ride the bike, right? And, yep. and uh, you know, he'd come by and he'd pinch your stomach and, and uh, you know, get on the bike, get on the bike, get on the bike. And you have four or five guys that after practice, right? And, and just like, you know, making you like just almost die. You know what I mean? And uh, I remember one time he just came up, man, and, and back then they had the, like those straps on the bike. And he would like grab the strap and make you like, like uh, ride you know, come on, like, you know, come on, you're not going harder than that batter. Like, and he'd be spitting, like, chewing tobacco right in my eye. Like, you oh, know what yeah. I mean? Like, just, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, my eyes be burning. I'd be like, oh, I can't see. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> oh, nothing like a little bit of Copenhagen in the eyes to get you going, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, hey, the finest dressed man in hockey. I always, I always used to bug him, but I said, Rope, when you're done with that suit, can I have it, right? Like, I mean, the guy was like Dapper Dan. Like, you know, he had unbelievable suits and uh, just uh, what a guy. I loved to win, loved a good fight, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I remember when, one of my first fights there, I fought a guy from uh, Richmond, 
I fought a couple guys from Richmond. Trevor Sam was one of them, but uh, this other guy I fought was uh, something McPherson or something. He was like, uh, I think he was one of the captains or captain. I fought him right in front of our, our bench, and I had him up against the, the, the bench, and, you know, chucking, right? And I looked up. I just had to look up, and I see Brof like he's like a shadow box, and like in behind the bench, watching the fight, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like just like watching the fight go on, and and uh, like dodging punches, like he was in the fight. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and he's coaching, right? Oh, that's good, man. Oh, fuck, it. coach, you want to come in here and take take care of this for me, then, man? <laughs> oh, he oh he would, man. He uh, you know what? He would chirp players like you wouldn't believe, right? Like. He, there's one fucking guy on Richmond. He hated Richmond, right? Because that was a big rivalry for Hampton. And uh, he said, uh, he said to one of the guys, he goes, "How? Oh, he goes, how fucking tall are you?" He said. And the kid says, uh, "I'm five nine. He goes, <laughs> "He goes, you'll be fucking about five six by the time I get done with you. You better get the fuck away from my bench." <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yeah. Well, I think so. if yeah. if somebody if a coach talked to a player like that today, he'd probably hear all fucking about it, and he'd have to apologize oh. and get fined and shit like that. Now, man, man, it was crazy. Like you know what I mean? Old uh, I played in Madison there in quad, and and uh, the hammer was up in uh, Madison. Oh, I got in a fight. I, he was coming over the bench after me. I was like throwing punches at him on the bench. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah. we'll get to that too, man. Now, but... Oh shit! Yeah, I was going to ask you if you actually played Madison because I'm just there's a player I want to ask you about on Madison uh, down the road. But before we get to that, I'll ask you about a couple players that you played with here on uh, on the Mammoths. Um, well, we already went over Mike DeGurse, and what a beauty he is, man! I had such a great time interviewing him, and he had nothing but good things to say about you too. Uh, Fun guy, fun guy, tough too, man. Like tough and would just stand in there and didn't even think twice about it, right? Like would laugh, like you know, while he's fighting. <laughs> and you know, them guys ain't right. So you, oh like, no, you that's know, those are the guys you're scared of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Though, but Goose was a great team guy, and uh, like I said, man, we had a lot of fun there in Winston. There, I remember uh, at one time, you know, it's like down south there when they get a friggin' uh, like a snowstorm or an ice storm. And we got we got sto- uh, locked into our apartments for like it was a week, man. Like everybody, no food on the shelves and everything. And man, we had we all lived in the same complex. And uh, what a party we had for about two or three days, right? Like nobody could go anywhere because of the, the, the streets were all ice and they didn't have any salt, I guess, or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but we had a lot of fun together uh, in, in that league. It was uh, good, and we made it to the final that that year. Uh, I ended up going up again to, to Hampton. Like uh, they gave me a couple more games. They called me back up. I was only up for like two or three more games, and then ended up going back and finished the season there in, in Winston. But uh, you know, we had a great group of guys, and uh, that was my basically, you know, first introduction to the South and and how you know how things work down there and and uh, and everything. And uh, the people were great. They didn't have a lot of hockey knowledge and stuff, but uh, the fans and stuff and. Uh, you know, and there were a lot of Canadians down there because I guess the the, the uh, medical uh, field is big in that area. So we got to see like the tragically hit play at this like little bar. I saw Hootie and the Blowfish. We had a, a good deal there at this one place, and like you know, a lot of real good when they were up and coming bands came to this one bar. And uh, I think one of the guys on the team was like real connected with that. Might have been like Conley, Craig Conley, this guy. Uh, got to see like the WWE like for free because he knew all the guys that were promoting it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there you go. Fun. 
Nothing but pure free yeah. entertainment, man. That's nice. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Who do you need the blowfish? I like Darius Rucker, man. I listen to his good country music. I enjoy that. <laughs> oh, he's yeah. He wasn't country then, though. No, nope, he sure was, wasn't. It was, yeah, yeah. Oh, but it was good. And you know, I mean, you go to some places now, you can't get a ticket to see those people. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And the hip, like you know, that the head singer died. I mean, that's a Canadian icon band, right? And it was all Canadians and uh, all the nurses and stuff and. And, you know, no one knew of him in the U.S. at that time. But back in Canada, I mean, this Canadian icon, you know, Gord, uh, Gord Donnie just died. And uh, it was like a national day of mourning in Canada, right? Right. So, so yeah, so that, that, was, uh, that was in Winston. And, uh, a lot of good memories there, man. Absolutely. Well, the next year you happen to find yourself in a small little town called the Quad Cities up in uh well it's it's technically moline i believe is where y'all play but you know it's consists of the four cities obviously the quad cities but up there in the midwest on the border of iowa and illinois how did you end up there in the uh, colonial league yeah well johnny anderson was our coach in winston and like i said we had a good run that year we uh we went down to uh you know huntsville went went to the final and ended up losing in the final and uh I played real well, like, you know what I mean? I fought anybody in the league, and uh, I scored a lot. I was like, you know, I had, I don't know how many points in the playoffs, but, uh, you know, I mean, I hated to lose any anything, even marbles, and, and uh, to have an opportunity to win was, uh, you know, you, you never want those opportunities to slip away because they're few and far between, right? And uh, so Johnny ended up uh, calling me up after that season, and I think I stayed in Winston for a while, and then I went back to Nova Scotia and uh, then back to back to Winston. So I ended up spending most of the summer in Winston there and uh, um, got a call from Johnny. He's like, hey, man, I want you to come to the Quad Cities. And I'm like, Quad Cities? I said, what's Quad Cities, man? Where's it at? <laughs> I didn't even, you know, I had no clue where it was. And like that, he goes, oh, it's over by Chicago. He goes, uh, come on up. I got to get the... You know, great building there. They're getting like uh, it's the second year of the team. They're getting like ten thousand fans a night, and uh, you know, this is what I'm going to pay you, and this and that, and uh, this is what I can give you. And uh, you know, I really want you to come, right? And I goes, and I can get you a try of Fort Wayne, and uh, in the eye. So I said, okay, man, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll entertain that. Like you know, and I had a couple other teams calling me too. Like so, I didn't know really what I wanted to do, but. Um, ended up deciding on, on quad and uh, went to Fort Wayne's camp, uh, played a couple exhibition games there, um, fought some big guy, Matt, uh, big redheaded guy. I don't know, he was a big, strong guy, man. And um, it was kind of more of a wrestling match, but he was a big, strong dude and uh, ended up, I don't know what it was there in uh, Fort Wayne. His numbers, they were in the eye, and I ended up, you know, going to Quad City from there. Well, right on, man. Well, what did you think of the place when you first got there? Were you like, where the fuck am I, you know? <laughs> well, it's funny, man. I ended up showing up there. It was probably like, you know, right around this time of year, you know, a couple of weeks later. And, you know, go to the office. I had no money, man. I, had, I was broke. I was dead broke. And uh, <laughs> Howard Cornfield was the GM there. And Howard will get a kick out of this. <laughs> I walk in the office, Johnny Anderson's there, and he introduced me to Howard, and he's like, yeah, because I knew, obviously, Johnny from the year before. He brought a couple guys up with, with him from that league, uh, San Germano, Steve San Germano, a few other guys uh, that were there that were in the Southern League. Actually, we played against Steve. He played in Daytona Beach, and, uh, you know, still friends to this day, but uh, 
end up going in in the uh, the office there with Howard, and I just I Howard. Where's my money, man? <laughs> I need some money. I got no money. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, he still jokes about it to the day, right? And uh, I was like, I got no money for you. What do you mean? You, just, you, you know, you just got here. You haven't played. You know, I don't, you don't get a paycheck right away. Like, you know what I mean? You got to take care of yourself. <laughs> blah, 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 this and that, right? <laughs> so Johnny A goes over to the ATM, man, and pulls out a $100 bill and gives me a $100 bill. He goes, here, man, just... Uh, you know, take it easy on that. He goes, I, you know, don't need you coming back here every day looking for a hundred bucks. Right? So I didn't care. I had a hundred bucks in my pocket and I was ready to go. Right. Hey, back in the nineties, that was, that was, that'd get you through a week, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that, that just got me in the door. Once I got in the door, I was okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> well, before we talk about a couple of guys there, um, I, I want to ask, do, so was it, was it hard kind of adjusting at all saying like, you know, thinking to yourself that, you know, this is what I got to kind of do, you know, fighting all the time. Was it something that you were kind of hesitant about or did it kind of just come naturally? You said, you know, fuck it. I'm going to go out and swing if I have to. And if I don't, then okay, I'll still play. Yeah. You know what, man? I thought I was a player. Like, you know what I mean? I well, you were, man. Player. You, you could do it all. You yeah, put up yeah. a hell of a lot of points, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I went in there in the quad. I wasn't like going there to fight like specifically, I mean, I knew that was part of my role, and I always stuck up for my teammates. Um, but I wanted to play, right? Like I wanted to play, and and I wanted to win, and uh, and I would do anything, uh, anything to win. Um, you know, so I went there, and I, you know, I wanted to play, and and uh, you know, I wasn't really worried about you know guys. I mean, we always did our homework on guys, uh, you know, and guys knew other guys that were on the other teams that we were playing, and. You know, in quad, I mean, we always had like a lot of guys that could do, could, could do it. So, um, you know, and especially sitting there, like Copper wasn't there my first year. He came, I think, my second year there. But, yeah. uh, you know, we ha- we had some other guys that could do it. And, uh, you know, we just kind of uh, did it by committee and, uh, and when it was necessary. And, uh, you know, I mean, it didn't have to be told most of the time, right? Like, you know your job. And, and uh, that was part of my job. And, uh, you know, you just go out and, and you play and tell you got to do your job. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, so I was never afraid of it. Uh, in fact, I, I, I relished it, um, you know, for the most part. Um, fought some pretty big guys, I guess. I don't, you know, over all that time, like, I mean, I didn't kind of realize <laughs> how much bigger than me they were, you know? Absolutely. But it didn't really, it didn't really matter. Right on, man. Well, I mean, it, it worked out for you because you happened to stay there for quite a few years and you made your a big impact over there on that team. But uh, a guy I wanted to ask you about was uh, Howie Rosenblatt. What was it like playing with him? The legend. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Like, he was there when I got there my first year. And, you, you know, you always felt safe with Howie on the ice. I mean, uh, you know, he came there with Glenn Stewart, uh, who I had played with. I think it was in uh, somewhere in Greensboro. I think they were playing in Greensboro under Howard as well. And uh, Howie was one of those guys, man, that, uh, you know, you got him mad and uh, you better get out of the way. And he ain't stopping. He's not quitting. And he'll fight until he'll fight to the death. Like Howie, that's what I got to say about Howie. <laughs> I seen him fight Link Gates. I seen him fight Link Gates one night, man, in in, uh, in quad. And nobody wanted to fight him, right? Like Link, nobody wanted to fight him. He was like, a, you know, probably weighed three hundred pounds, man, at that time. 
the big, great big head on him and just like no expression on his face. And I think he was like, he had that bike accident or something too. And I think, you know, that might've um, messed him up a little bit in the head. And so guys were like, you know, our, our skill guys and stuff, like, I mean, they just were scared to death of him. Right. And so I'm like looking at Howie and, and uh, forget else who else we have. We had a couple other guys. I looked at Howie. I said, Howie, I'm not fighting him. You can fight him. But I'm not fighting him. <laughs> I just was not fighting that guy, right? Like it was no use for me, like to fight that guy, right? So Howie's like, I'll fight him. And him and Howie had a tilt, man, and I think he might even be able to find it somewhere. But, uh, man, it was just like meat on meat. All I could hear is like meat, like, you know, knuckles to meat. Like, oh, yeah. And it was just uh, it was ugly, man. It was just like... You know, I was a guy, I loved the fight, but I never liked to get hit. You know right. what I mean? If there was any any hitting to be done, I wanted to be doing it. So I always worked uh, with those bigger guys, always worked, like, up underneath them and tried to, like, you know what I mean, keep them to the outside, keep everything to the outside, like, using my, you know, my strength because I was always strong. And uh, and I could hit hard, you know, and I didn't, I didn't need a lot of distance. But, uh, you know, one, once in a while when I could wear back and get one off it, <laughs> You know, my buddy Craig Martin said it the best. One of the guys asked him about, you know, we're playing uh, quad this night. You know, what about that McFarlane or whatever? He goes, well, he was not a big guy, strong as a fucking ox. But he said, you don't want to get hit by him. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, that's uh, the nickname, One Punch McFarlane. Uh, I guess a lot of the fans call me there at quad. But, uh, but no, I, I, like I said, I, I, I didn't like to get hit, man. I, I, I didn't like it. And, and when I did get hit, I got mad. You know what I mean? And, and I don't know. Like, I mean, a lot of my fights, man, I don't even, I don't even fucking remember. Like, so if I got tagged and if I didn't go down, huh, I'm fucking swinging. Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's just the way it was. Oh, man, that's that's great. It, it just happens, man. You start seeing red after you get hit, and you don't even remember it. It's just how it happens. <laughs> I, I don't even see. I just like I just see what's in front of me. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, it's funny because you just – you're in my notes over here. You just covered – that was the guy I was going to ask you about on Madison was uh, see if you happened to play against him was the fucking legend, Link Gates. And it's funny that you yeah. – you know, how he fought him. Yeah, man. Like, uh, yeah, how he fought. I used to tease him. Like, I just used to tease him. You know what I mean? Like, because he was not the mo- most mobile guy, but I, like, you know what I mean? Just skate around, tease him a little bit, whack him a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Try to get him mad, try to get him to take penalties and stuff like that. But, I mean, I like I said, I had no business fighting that guy. I mean, you know, great big old, he looked like one of them great big frig- refrigerators. You know what I mean? Like, he's oh, that yeah. wide. I mean, he was a big, big, big guy, right? Like, I don't know how tall he was. How tall? He's like 6'4", whatever. But, I mean, he's uh, yeah, so say wide. 6'4", I think. You couldn't see around him. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You make a <laughs> but, better door uh, than he does a window, but, eh? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know what, man? Like, he's still a brother. Like, uh, you know, we all did uh, did that kind of job no matter what level. And I'm sure he suffers because of it, and like a lot of other guys do. And, uh, you know, my hat's off to him, man, for doing what he did, you know. And I, and, there, and there's a ton of great stories about him, right, obviously. But, oh, there's uh, thousands. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it was funny because I was asking people, like, you know, oh, who would you like to see on the podcast or whatever? And somebody happened to say Link Gates. Well, one, it'd, it'd be a fucking miracle to even get a hold of him because you just can't fucking – it's the missing link for a reason. And two, like, yeah. I was like, I would need, like, a 17-part special just from the stories that guy has, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he was one of the great ones, man. Like, you know, a lot of people – 
he left a he left a mark, right? And uh, you know, like Johnny Anderson used to say, man, it's all about footprints, right? Like leaving footprints. Absolutely, man. I'm a huge Link Gates fan. It's crazy for how long he did it because he even ended up in the Quebec League, and I think it was right up until oh, I think oh four is when he stopped. I'd have to double check that, but yeah, he he did it for a long fucking time too. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what he's up to now. Like, I mean, that's a scary thing, right? I heard he's living up in Edmonton now. I don't know if that you know everybody hears something about Link these days. <laughs> so yeah, who knows? Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you guys ended up winning the Colonial Cup that year. What was it like winning the uh, winning the Colonial Cup? Oh, it was sweet. I mean, we, uh, you know, we won, we won a few of them there. And as uh, you know, probably, yeah, we had the but, repeat. Uh, yeah, we had the repeat. And then we won another one under Paul McLean there, um, you know, before my career ended there. But, uh, you know, anytime you win a championship, man, it's, it's uh, you know, fuck, man, I don't care if it's what league it's in or what you do. When you start at the beginning of the season and go through the grind and, you know, with 20 guys, 21 guys, the coaches, the staff, you know, the office people were just a big, bigger part of it as, uh, as the players. Um, and to culminate in, in uh, you know, in that kind of success, uh, it was, it was special, man. We all got to go to Vegas. They took us to Vegas and, uh, you know, got a little bit of a bonus, got some nice rings, man. Like, you know what I mean? They can never take them from you. And, uh, you know, tell my kids that and, and, uh, you know, it was something that, uh, you know, again, at whatever level, because as you know, in Quad City, I mean, we're like the NHL to those people. I mean, I mean, we, when we won, man, we couldn't even get our bus in the parking lot. Like there were so many people there. Like and, and you know, when we came in and, and uh, you know, the parades, the parties. I mean, we go anywhere for in town and eat for free and drink for free. I mean. You know, people invite you to their houses, to their farms, like to their businesses. I mean. It was just amazing, and, uh, you know, I mean, that place, uh, we used to get a rock, and, uh, you know, they used to play that song, Cotton Eye Joe, and uh, I don't know if you were around then, but they had this guy that used to paint his face in mallard colors, and he'd go up and down the stands, the Cotton Eye Joe. Oh, whole, yeah. <laughs> the whole, yeah, the whole building would like, just be rocking, man. And then, you know, going into, um, you know, Flint or um, Thunder Bay or, or uh, even Muskegon back in the day, you know, the old Elsie Walker Arena, you know, um, going in there to the houses of rock and don't bother knocking, and they got this, uh, you know, air uh, air thing like that's going with the music, and uh, it's like a, a blow up thing that was going with the music. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite burns to play in there in Muskegon, there, man, I, and the fans hated you. They're right on top of you, and the, I mean, the places were packed back then, and the fans were into it. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, I mean, the old Colonial and early were, UHL was awesome. You know, I mean, the fans were, like, you know, a, a huge, huge part of it. I mean, uh, and, I again, I don't know if you're going there, but, uh, you know, we beat Flint, and, and uh, you know, I, I remember I fought uh, Kersey there, Kevin Kerr, and, and uh, I ended up playing with Kersey. Actually, I was just with him uh, last year. He's coaching uh, down in uh, outside of Atlanta, I think, somewhere in the, uh, in the coast now. But, uh you know, it's the friendships you make along the way and the guys you play with now that you're all friends with that you fought and everything else, right? But, uh, you know, we beat Flint, and I got in a fight with Kersey, and Kersey bit my finger. I had my hand. I was trying to rip his mouth apart, and he bit my finger. And then uh, Quad City there, the next night, or two nights later, they came to Quad City, and it was uh, they gave out, uh, like, 10,000 bloody fingers at, at the gate, and people were, like, <laughs> you know, had the bloody fingers in the stands, right? Like, <laughs> it's just... 
it was just crazy but uh but it was a lot of fun you know absolutely man oh the way they used to promote minor hockey was just it was the fucking best man <laughs> you you would never see that in the nhl let alone today's nhl yeah yeah we did a lot of work in the community and that's what it's all about that's how you build a fan base and everything like that man and, and uh, like i said i think I, and i tell people this all the time i think i made more money off the ice than i did uh, on the ice playing at that level because i mean we had bars and restaurants we used to go do appearances and guys would like slip you a couple hundred bucks and you know, after every game, we do like live interviews and stuff at this bar called the Bullpen and in, in, uh, Quad, and, yep. and uh, you know, uh, and all the fans would come there, and it was just like it was crazy, man. It was like <laughs> it was like the real life slap shot. You know what I mean? It was it was awesome. Absolutely. Well, the next year you're there, you win the Colonial Cup again, but you have a, a guy named Gary Goulash on the team. What was it like playing with Gary? Big Goo, he was uh, he was a big man. You know what I mean. Goo was, uh, you know, uh, he'd fight anybody again, man. He would fight anybody. Oh yeah. Um, you know, unbelievable center of gravity. Like I mean, he had an unbelievable center of gravity. You could not knock him off his like fighting. I mean, I I see him fight guys that were like you know four or five inches taller than him, and they'd be shaking him around and shaking him around, and he would just, you know, and they get so tired. That once they were done shaking him around, he he tattoo him right, and uh, and then who always won the end of the fight? Like you know what I mean? He he came in, but he always like at the end he like beat the guy because the guy was so you know what I mean? Like right. Yeah, I don't know where he got his endurance and stuff like that, but because uh, you know Goo knows himself, he, he wasn't wasn't always in the best of shape, but uh, but I mean the man had a center of gravity. Like I mean his, his stance and like was so wide and and. Uh, you know, you couldn't you couldn't shake him off his skates, right? And uh, a lot of guys tried to do that with Goo, and he'd just stand in there, man, and and just you know take what he had to take, and and then at the end he'd always uh, always deliver, right? Absolutely, yeah. I'm a huge Goulash fan, man. He actually I was able to get in contact with him, and he actually sent me his old RHI Orlando Jackals jersey. That was pretty sweet. Managed to get that off of him. Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you, man, about the Quad Cities up there. What was your favorite joint to go eat at? Well, I mean, <laughs> I had a few. Um, like I said, we had uh, we had deals pretty much everywhere all over town. But uh, I tell you what, and, like we went back for a reunion here a few years ago, and and uh, they had all like uh, all the alumni game. We played an alumni game and everything, and then we had uh, all kinds of food down in the locker room. That Harris Pizza was a that's still one of the best pizzas I've ever Fuck, had. Fuck, I my love life, Harris man. Pizza, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what they do to it, but um, I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. Um, there, we used to go to a place called Halftime. Um, you know, we had a deal there too. We had a deal at the casinos, like we could go to the, all the casinos and eat at all the buffets, like you know, <laughs> crab legs. I mean, whatever you wanted, right? Like we could go there. Guys would go there two or three times. You know, guys would go there two or three times a day, like you know, and just like pick up, especially the European guys and the Russians, right? Like, you know, they, they were like. <laughs> man uh you know i never seen as much food before like you know what i mean and so they would they would like steal it and take it home and stuff like that put tinfoil in their pockets and you know vlad sarab was one of them guys and uh, bogdan rudenko and a uh, few of them guys you know they'd, they'd bring more food home than they ate there right but uh but no there was there was a lot of good spots uh in quad and and uh you know like i said the bullpen man and we get to eat there for free like you know what i mean Randy, the owner there, used to like now whatever these guys want, like you know what I mean, order it off the menu, everything for free, right? Like, right. So, 
you know, it was uh, it was pretty awesome, uh, you know, awesome place to play. And a lot of guys wanted to come there. You know, the, the teams would come to town, like, you know, from even Flint and Muskegon and Saginaw and some of these places, and they'd be like, you know, get their $5 for meal money and go to McDonald's, right? Their $10 or whatever they got. And, uh, you know, they always had those, uh, you know, just the regular coach buses. We always had the nice big sleeper bus. And, and uh, you know, everyone knew Quad was the place to play. So, you know, we had a lot of a lot of guys that came there. Kersey came there. I mean, uh, we had guys that played on other teams, Jimmy Brown, um, that wanted to come to Quad because of how well we were treated there. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I've, I always remember just everywhere you go up there, back in the day it was just mallard shit was everywhere and it was awesome um yeah one of my favorite places every time i go back i gotta hit it up is always happy joe's pizza man that place is too fucking good that taco pizza yeah 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 yeah. happy joe's and then there were so many uh hispanic uh places like authentic you know hispanic uh like food you know what i mean like right and we had a lot of like hispanic people in that area as you know and so we would get invited over to their houses, man, for like burritos and tacos. And I mean, the stuff was like some of the best stuff you'll ever eat anywhere, right? Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, still got a lot of great friends back there. That's awesome, man. Well, you had uh, you had Toporowski on your team, and then this time you didn't have to play against him. What was it like actually playing with Topper? <laughs> well, you knew everything was okay. Um, and again, like like I said, we had we had several guys. Um, but he was uh, he was a special special guy, like you know what I mean. And, and he was so unpredictable. People were scared to death of him, like especially the goal scorers and stuff like that, because he he he'd get in their heads and he he'd make them not even want to play. Like uh, you know, he'd chase guys almost off the ice, like you know. <laughs> and uh, oh yeah, man, Robin Bouchard. I remember he played in uh, uh, Muskegon. There, good hockey player, man, real good hockey player, French Canadian kid. I think he's probably got every record in Muskegon history there, but uh, he was a menace for us, man. He scored a lot of goals, and he was always chirping and a mouthy guy, you know what I mean? But uh, Topper, him and Topper hated each other, man. And they would, uh, you know, I remember one time, I, I don't know if Topper, I don't think he'd mind me saying it now at this point, but like I said, we sat together in the locker room, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at him. He's got like the A535, the um you know, the bomb stuff there, like a uh, flexol kind of stuff. Yeah. And he's like rubbing it on his gloves. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? Why, why are you rubbing that on your gloves? And like, never mind, Max, never mind. And then uh, we wrote the ice. And, and uh, the next thing I know, Bouchard's scree- uh, like squirming on the ice. And I'm like, and Popper's like glove washing him with this stuff on the end of his gloves uh, in his eyes, right? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you <laughs> so i uh, you know I don't, I don't know if you wanted anybody to know that but even if you listen sometime but you know that, that's just one story but uh man we used to keep it loose in the locker room together i mean him and i sat beside each other and joking and uh i used to mess with them all the time right like just like you know uh roast them and and uh just like funny stuff and and uh you know, like I said, for you know all them penalty minutes and all the fights he had and everything else, you'll never meet a nicer, kinder, more gentle man that did that job. You know what I mean? Oh, of course, man. It's a lot of people don't understand that it's really misconstrued. Everybody thinks you know just because they they fight a lot or they put up all these penalty minutes that they're an asshole or a goon, whatever you want to call them. But they're always super nice off off the ice, and it's just that it's just that switch that they flip 
once they put that jersey over their head and it comes game time. And then as soon as the game's yeah. over, it's it's all over. Yeah. Well, some guys are genuine idiots. Like, you know what I mean? And, and <laughs> right. uh, it doesn't There's matter a couple the bone same heads. way on the ice as they are the off the ice. And, uh, you know, and those guys, like, you know, they, they, they struggle in life and stuff like that. But, you know, for the most part, like a lot of guys that do this job do it because they care about their teammates, uh, their team players. I mean, uh, and they care about the community. I mean, and, uh, you know, who also put your own self in harm's way to go out and defend others like, like we did, you know what I mean? And uh, so, you know, I used to go and guys would play golf and stuff. And I had a, a, a youth uh, center that I used to volunteer at because my, de- uh, my degree from Acadia is in uh, recreation management uh, with a minor and like working with delinquent youth and stuff like that. So I didn't golf back in the day. So I used to just go to the, the youth center there on Eastern Avenue um, in, in uh, Davenport and hang out with the kids there did a like uh, a program there um you know i did an all day uh like a fair kind of like a um you know sports day sports camp basically right. and just like uh you know uh developed it uh implemented it and did it with all the kids but i used to go there all the time and the funny thing is i got i got a, uh, a message on my facebook probably about six months ago from this kid that i used to mentor um there um this kid, Damian Ware is his name, you know, and everybody in his family went to prison and his dad was in prison, his brothers, his mother, everybody, man. And he was headed the same way. And so I ended up taking a liking to this kid and he ended up coming over to my house like all the time. Uh, uh, you know, I was, I was married at the time to my first wife and had a stepdaughter that was three and he used to come over and hang out and, and uh, eat at our house and just hang out at our house, like have a home, you know what I mean? Just hang out. And then, I got him, uh, he was our stick boy. So Paul McLean was the coach then. And I said, I got this kid. I said, I want him to come and, and uh, you know, work with the equipment guys and just like, you know. And so we put, uh, you know, got him a pair of khakis, got him a Mallard's T-shirt, uh, uh, you know, and a golf shirt. And, uh, you know, he'd fill the water bottles. He'd get tape for guys. You know, he'd, he'd get guys sticks. Uh, you know, just kind of did the, the pregame, put the pucks out, like, you know, pick fucks up after you know did all that kind of stuff and so i get i get a uh i wake up one morning and i get this message uh on my facebook from this from him and you know and you can probably look it up on my facebook i can't remember everything it said but uh you know he he talked about how you know kids go down like a bad way and and uh when people don't care about them and he goes like, well, this one person cared about me enough that he gave me a chance. And, and it was just kind of like thanking me at that point for, for doing that. And so I think even more than the championships, uh, Alec, I think stuff like that, like, and I learned from a lot of good, great guys, great coaches, like I said, uh, Johnny Anderson, uh, Paul McLean, I mean, uh, Paul Gillis, I mean, all these guys, man, it was more about, people and, and the people you run into and uh and the footprints that you leave and, and i think uh, even more than the fights and the championships and, and stuff like that i mean i never think about that stuff anymore but i always think about him i wonder how he's doing and when i see stuff online and and stuff like that i wonder how these people are doing you know absolutely man and that's that's an awesome story it's 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 crazy how much <clears throat> You know, some people only look at players like, you know, oh, it's a minor league hockey player, this and that. But you can, you really do, 
you could be an idol to some people. And I mean, hell, I growing up, I still idolized guys like yourself and <clears throat> Toporowski and guys like that. And to see what you guys do off the ice and how you help people, it really means a lot to the community. And like you said, with this this individual, you changed his life pretty much. And it, it's awesome that that actually happens. And some guys may, like I said, may look at it like it's just minor league hockey, but it's a lot more than that. Well, and, and again, you get, you get a lot closer to the fans at that level than you do. Like NHL guys, you can't even touch them, right? Right. Because a lot of the time, unless you're in, you know, some design camp or some, like, you know what I mean? Like autograph signing or something, man. People used to, we used to have kids come right into our locker room all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely, man. And it's, it's one yeah. thing I do like about minor league hockey is it's true. Like you said, you guys are, um, involved a lot more in the community as opposed to like the nhl or um something like that because and don't get me wrong those guys do their part and then they have a bigger platform and, and they do great things there's a oh, lot of sure. great stories like uh the guy in st louis there with the girl there lila layla i mean yep. uh you know i mean those kinds of things they they get the they get the uh the national audience but a lot of the guys in minor league hockey and it's the same thing about the fighting right like in the cte and everything and those guys all get taken care of at the top levels but what about the minor league guys right they, i got buddies that are suffering like every day you know absolutely and uh you know there's nothing there for them like you know they got the nhlpa they got all these substance abuse things for, for guys and and the guys that did it in the minors and did it on buses for nothing basically you know what I mean? There's nothing there for those guys. And it's almost, you know, it's kind of sad actually. And, uh, you know, I, I got a good buddy that, uh, you know, he's doing a little better now, but I mean, he walked across Canada to bring awareness to CTE and, uh, but didn't want any publicity, didn't want anything about it. Just wanted to encounter people along the way and tell the story like, you know, and, uh, so those are the things, you know what I mean? Like, uh, the, the minor league guys don't get, you know, as much credit or accolades and all that. But I think uh, a lot of minor league guys, um, you know, pay a heavier price or pay a price that, that goes on notice. Absolutely. And it, it's, I always laugh at that when people will talk about uh, CTE. And I'm like, you know, you guys are just looking at the NHL. Look at the other leagues and stuff like that. It, it, it's not, it doesn't just affect the NHL, which, of course, it's important, obviously, to bring awareness about it. And, you know, me being a fight fan and everything like that, I'm not, I'm not a Neanderthal. I don't like just because I like hockey fights doesn't mean I want to see a guy get a CTE injury or excuse me, a brain injury and CTE down the road. That's not at all what I want, but you know, it's, it's important. Like you said, that it should be recognized from guys you played in the minor leagues, because a lot of the leagues that these guys played in, like even, even such as yourself, like the, the colonial league and the UHL, they aren't even leagues anymore. So they, they, they have no treatment. They, there is no way to get treated like the NHL PA or something like that. Yeah, well, we had the PHPA, but all they did was take your money, right? Like, you never, uh, you know, I mean, I used to get a letter from them in the mail at once a year, like, you know, saying how much dues I paid them, right? <laughs> and stuff like that. But, <laughs> you know, so anyways, I mean, that, that's just something that I think, you know, those guys, like I said, at the minor league level, um, you know, a hit's a hit to the head. It doesn't matter if you're in the NHL or the East Coast League or the UHL or what, whatever league, right? Um, you know, so I just, I don't know what there is to be done about it, but, uh, there's, uh, and, and there's some good support groups and stuff out there, but, uh, there's a lot of guys that are suffering. So I just wanted to bring that about, uh, you know, bring that to attention as well. 
Absolutely. It's important to, man. You guys, you know, d- did these things for your team and fought to make the team sometimes. And it's important that you guys get the proper treatment. That's that's why I have a I have a big distaste for the NHL these days. The fact that they do that, they'll, they'll market games, you know, every time the Avalanche play the Red Wings, they'll market, you know, or advertise, excuse me, not really. Well, I guess market and advertise, but, you know, Fight Night at the Joe, which is awesome. But you not only one, you look at the product on ice, and it's nothing like that anymore. And two, you market that, but you turned your back on those players that that allowed you to advertise this. They don't they don't take care of the players properly, in my opinion. And that's something I, I can't stand. And I can go on for about a twenty minute rant on how much I <laughs> yeah. dislike that. And guys like you know they always market you know Broad Street Bully Days and this like that. But you turn the game away from the the enforcer. But you're still going to yep. advertise them to make money. It's, it's sick, to my in my opinion. I like I said, I can go on for 20 minutes about that. <laughs> Absolutely. But nonetheless, we'll get back on track here a little bit. <laughs> it's all good, though. Yeah. No worries. It's all important. So it's it's good yeah. that that was said, man. I, I'm glad you really brought that up, actually, because like I said, like we talked about, it's really overlooked, especially with you minor league guys. Um, so I really appreciate you actually bringing that up. But one of the leagues I wanted to talk to you about that it didn't last long, but it was interesting was the old uh, roller hockey league that you played and what was it like playing there in the uh, roller hockey international? It, it sucked. <laughs> I hated it. Well, hated that's one it, way to man. put it. Yeah, no, man. I mean, like there was like four of, or four or five of us, uh, you know, Glenn Stewart, that was one, a couple other guys. Um, um, we, we, we used to travel up to Minnesota um, you know, the practice, like we travel up like on a Friday or no Thursday or something, practice Thursday, then play, or no, travel up Friday, practice Friday, play Saturday, Sunday, and then go back home, right? Back to quad. Cause we're all living in quad like for in the summer. And, uh, and I had to skate on that surface with those blades. I mean, it was totally different for me. I mean, those guys are good at it. They, you know, I just went up to make a few bucks a part-time job. You know what I mean? And, right. And, uh, you know, and they paid good. I mean, they, you know, they're paying us like, you know, whatever, 800 bucks, 700 bucks for the weekend, 600 bucks, whatever for the weekend going up there. So, so I went up there and I, I mean, I couldn't even stand up on those things when I first went up there. I couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't stop. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was just totally different for me. And, uh, I think I went up like two weekends man, and I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going up there doing that. So it was a short, uh, short stay, but, uh, you know, it was uh, it was good for a little bit, and uh, you know, it wasn't for me. So I just like, you know, whatever. I went uh, went and poured some concrete the rest of the summer and got in real good shape. And uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah, lifting those Came concrete back, bags but... will get you in shape, man. Fuck, they'll whoop my ass all the time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got a, had a fan there that owned a, a construction company there, and I ended up going to work with him for you know a good part of that summer, that same summer there. So. Absolutely. Well, you left Quad City for just a year after your uh, your four years there, and you ended up on a team with probably like and I mentioned this with Jason Renard, but the funniest name I've ever heard for a hockey team. But the make the make it Whoopi. What was it like playing for them in the CHL? Yeah, Macon was uh, it was interesting, man. It was uh, uh, Graham Town uh, Graham Townsend had recruited me. I think I had my best year in in uh, in the minors uh, the year before. I had like, and we won the championship under Paul Gillis. Gillis still takes credit for my my great year that year. But I had thirty plus goals and I had like almost three hundred minutes. And 
you know, again, you know, you think you're you're gonna go get the big payday, man. Guys are going here, guys are going there. How much you getting? Like this kind of thing. And so I had a few offers that that year. Like you know, teams all over. The, there was a lot of leagues back then, and you know, you could you could go to a lot of different places. And uh, I said, ah, well, I'll give it. You know what I mean? I'll take a look at it, right? And I mean, we did everything in quad I, at that point. I had had back to back championships there. And uh, Graham called and ended up making the decision to go down there. And I took, uh, you know, my little family I had there and uh, ended up going to going to Macon. Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> they were still fighting the Civil War. Um, I went went down there, man. The first day we were just kind of walking around downtown. This guy rides by me on the bike, on his bike. And, I, you know, my uh, ex-wife was a white lady. And, and uh, as many of you know, I'm a man of color. And uh, this guy drives by me on the bike, and he goes, calls me the N-word. And I'm like, I look at her, and I said, did he just say that? And um, she's like, that's what I heard. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, it was my first day in town in Macon, right? Yeah. I'm not saying all Macon's like that now by any stretch of the imagination. It just could have been like happenstance that I, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I... I'm at that point, man, I'm getting a little bit like, I'm like, do I really want to be here? Like, you know what I mean? And You're right. You're like, Jesus so I'm, Christ. Yeah. So I, uh, so all of a sudden I see this cop who, uh, on a bike or sorry, on a horse. He was riding around on a horse downtown <laughs> and I go up to this cop on the horse and, uh, I said, uh, excuse me, sir. I said, I'm just uh, new to town here. And I said, I just had a fella drive by me on his uh, bicycle and called me the N-word. I said, is it like that down here? Do you have a lot of that going on? And he goes, no, man. He goes, no, boy, we don't get none of that going on down here. What are you doing down here anyway? I said, well, I'm playing for the making whoopee. I said, the hockey team here in town? He goes, oh, yeah, you're one of them there, whoopee boys? Well, I'll tell you this right now. He goes, we had some trouble with you boys there last year. And, and uh, he said, if you guys act up this year, that you the cops have been notified that you guys are all going to be put in jail and everything like that. And so I, I advise you to not, you know what I mean? So I'm right there. Going, yeah, like your first day here. What's going on here, man? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that was my first experience at Macon. And, uh, you know, but as far as the hockey goes, I mean, it was good. We had, uh, we had a pretty good team. I had some pretty decent numbers there. I was expected to do more, I guess, because they were giving me quite a bit of money at that time to go there. But I mean, I you know I think I almost had a point of game there, and I was fighting people and everything else, and I didn't know who he thought I was. I mean, you know, but uh, ended up he wanted to trade me to Huntsville um, in the South, and then I just and, and my uh, and they promised they promised my wife a job there, making the so and so, and it turned out, you know, it was like ten bucks an hour in some call center or something, right? right. And uh, you know, and it just didn't work out in Macon. Um, I got, uh, you know, he wanted to trade me to Huntsville, and uh, and I, I would ended up playing with uh, playing with Goose uh, at some point there. But uh, the guy Todd Bingham was there and uh, called me up and uh, said, "Yeah, we're going to trade for you. You want you to come and this and that." And so I'm thinking about it. I, I just called up Howard Cornfield. I said, "Howard, I said, uh, is my spot still open? Can I come back to Quad City, man? I'm done with this shit down here." And uh, he said, "Sure, Mac, come on back, right?" And, uh, and then Paul McLean was there. I'm glad I did. I went back. Paul's, uh, you know, uh, you know, all-star NHL all-star from Nova Scotia, where I'm from, and uh, you know, great leader. 
um, learned a lot from him, and we ended up winning another championship there. Oh, I mean, you you went back at the right time then. <laughs> no, no, absolutely, man. And, and uh, oh, they hyped it right up. Knock is back and, and this and oh, that, for man. Sure. And I filled, filled the building and uh, everything else like that, right? So uh, I was just happy to be where you wanted, right? And, like, where you feel like, you know what I mean? People appreciate what you do. And I didn't feel that in Macon. I didn't feel that, like, anywhere down south there. So I was happy to, happy to be back in Quad City. For sure, man. Well, you have one more year there in Quad City, and a guy on your team, or excuse me, the guy joined the team, and I wanted to ask you about him. Uh, he's pretty big on social media. He's helping out a lot of kids these days on hockey skills and development and everything like that. Uh, was Mike Segroy. What was it like playing with him? Is that how you say that? I could never pronounce his name. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I, don't think, I, I, him, I, think it's, I used to call him Scroy. 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 But, it's either Segroy uh, or yeah, Scroy. Man, was, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a big, tough guy, man. He was like, uh, you know, I don't know. He wasn't there a whole, like, a long time. Uh, he, 17 uh, he games is what it has him down as. How many games? 17. Yeah, 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 yeah. He wasn't there for <laughs> a long time, but, uh, you know, he left a mark. Um, you know, he fought some guys. I think Painter might have gave it to him there. Jason Payne, I don't know if you uh, talked to uh, Painter there, but I uh, played in Flint, and, and uh, I think they might have had a pretty good goal there. And, uh, but uh, I don't know whatever happened with management or whatever with Mike, but uh, a good story about him, man. We, were, we had this uh, this place we used to go to that was right by the apartments we lived at. <laughs> and it was uh, all the MMA guys used to go there, of course, because in Quad City, that's the birthplace of the MMA. And uh, with Todd Milledge and Dana White and all them guys were from that area. And, uh, you know, the original, um, <clears throat> you know, Dan the Beast Severin and all them guys are from Quad, right? all the Iowa wrestlers, Matt Hughes and all them guys, right? So Tim Sylvia, who was like the UFC, uh, one of the original heavyweight champions, was a bouncer at this place. And I think it had MMA connections because they had uh, uh, amateur night where like guys could go into the ring and do MMA, right? Like, <laughs> and so Scroy goes in there one night and, uh, you know, and, and some of the guys are like hammered, like they're going in the ring hammered. And, and <laughs> Jesus goes Christ. In there one night. Takes his shirt off, got his trunks and or whatever. He goes in the ring, man, and he just like bang, like pops a guy, drops him one punch, and gets out of the ring. Right, <laughs> right, right in the middle of the bar, like they had a ring set up right in the middle of the bar. And I remember that. I remember the guys are like, "Yeah, you want to go in there?" And I'm like, "Fuck you! I'm not going in there. I'm drinking." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's, that sounds like typical Segroy, man. He'll fucking he does a lot of that MMA and uh, Muay Thai and I think stuff like that. So that's awesome. That's oh a yeah, great yeah. Story. He was right into it. He was right into all that stuff. And, yeah, that's uh, right yeah, up so his fucking alley. The, went, yeah, yeah. So he went into the ring there and just fucking knocked the guy out in about two seconds and then got out of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, man. Yeah, I love that poster of you guys. It's like, uh, fuck, what was it? Some Mallard's poster, but it's got like you, Scroy, Topper, and Goulash on it. It was like, oh, man, I wish I wish teams w- I would like market guys like that anymore, man. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, Freddie Gilban, I think, was on there too. But, uh, but you know, and that was like five guys right there on a team. Like, like how oh, many yeah. teams now can, you know, have five guys right there? And plus, there's probably two or three other guys that weren't on that poster that, you know, every night, you know, was legitimate. Uh, you know, you had to fight somebody. Like, so you picked, 
you know, you pick your poison, right? Like when you come in uh, the quad, there we had uh, we had a lot of guys, and and but saying that we had uh, some unbelievable talent. Uh, you know, guys like Jason Almer and, and Marty Halinka and, and Jimmy Brown, Glenn Stewart. I mean, you know, these guys are Kevin Kerr. I mean, these guys are like world class. Uh, oh yeah. You know, hockey players. You know, and uh, you know, so what uh, what a compliment, um, you know, to have have those guys and then have guys like us. I mean, the fans loved it there. It was like uh, so much entertainment uh, for them and we enjoyed entertaining and it was a lot of fun there um, in quad for sure. Well, you end up having your number retired and you end up in the Mallard Hall of Fame. What was it like getting that honor for you? Well, you know what, man? Like it's just, uh, you know, it, it, that stuff you like to remember, I think, as you get older. And and but, but to have uh, the honor, of, like you know, having your jersey, I, not a lot of people get to have that honor. And I'm, you know, I'm honored and, and uh, humbled by it actually because um, that place meant a lot to me. I grew up in the Quad Cities. Like I mean, I, I became a man there. Um, you know, I had a lot of friends. I still have a lot of friends there. A lot of families and and things that really took care of me there and you know the guys I played with um, a lot of guys went through there um, I think there's only four four guys that have their number retired there and I'm one of them and, and uh, you know again it's footprints uh, like Johnny A said it's about um, leaving a mark um, and not I mean I didn't realize what I was doing I was just doing my job you know what I mean right I was just doing my job I wanted to win I was competitive as hell and uh, you know, I I chew your leg off, you know, to win. And I think people appreciated that a lot. <clears throat> um, had some had some good times uh, in uh, you know in quad, um, all over the place. I've, I've been blessed. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, we're inducted uh, in Swift Current uh, with the Memorial Cup, uh, in, inducted in uh, Acadia, the Hockey Honor Roll, the Hall of Fame there. Um, just got inducted into um, the Hall of Fame back in uh, uh, for African uh, African North American athletes, uh, um, and then quad the thing. There. I mean, a lot of accolades, but you know, you're still gonna get up and go to work every day, man. Just Absolutely. Like and uh, I think it's, it's gonna be good for the kids. I think to, to see who their dad was, and and uh, you know. And the people, your parents, like, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. People that are proud of you, people that helped you. Um, I think it's cool for them, your buddies, your friends back home, all this and that. But again, we, you know, we're only human and, we, you know, we have the same same battles as everybody else every single day, right? We're exactly. Have to go to work and, uh, you know, and uh, just try to leave it a little better than you found it. For sure, man. Well, I mean, what more could you ask for? You got a Memorial Cup three Colonial Cups, your number retired, and you're in the Hall of Fame, not only for the Mallards, but for North American, um, African-American athletes. I mean, what a career you had. It, it, no, it was a lot of fun, uh, you know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, time flies, man. I can't believe, like, some of these things are, like, 20, 30 years ago now. Like, you know, it's amazing. Uh, seems like yesterday. It really does. And, uh, you know, I got uh, I got some good buddies I play in men's league with now, and, and – uh, you know, they're they're great guys. They're all hardworking guys that uh, 
you know, that are there for you every day. And if you ever need anything, they're there for you. And uh, that's all you can ask for. You know what I mean? I got a great girl, um, you know, that uh, looks after me and, and, uh, and my daughter and my, my kids and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I'm truly blessed, man. Like, you know, I, you can't do it alone, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy you say time flies. It's funny because I look back at your stats and everything, and I, I can remember watching you play. And then I look at the stats, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, was it that fucking long ago? <laughs> like, holy hell. <laughs> I know. I know, man. I know. But you know what? In your mind, it's fresh. Like, exactly. You know, a lot it's, of it. It's Some of it you forget, like some details and stuff like that. But, uh, but uh, you know, for the most part, uh, it's fresh, and, and uh, it's like yesterday. So, you know, they can't take it from you, right? Like, and, uh, you know, even like the one at Acadia that we won in in uh, in '93. I mean, these guys are probably the tightest knit group I've ever seen that have stuck together, that communicate on a regular basis, um, have reunions like every five years. You know what I mean? And and uh, just an amazing, amazing group. Now, uh, some of them guys, their kids are playing in the NHL. I got Drake Patterson. I just made the Ottawa Senators. My good buddy Normie uh, was a pro, played a long time too. You know, so his kids playing. I mean, uh, you know, Colin Gregor, another guy I played with at Acadia. I mean, his kids playing. You look at Topper. I mean, his boy. I get to watch these guys' kids now. You know what I mean? And it's uh, it's amazing. You know, and uh, like Jake was or uh, Jake and Luke were like our stick boys there in Quad City. <laughs> right. And, you know, you got, you got Luke, one of the top uh, top uh, junior hockey players in, in North America, right? Absolutely, man. It, it's funny, you know. Yeah. You, you know you. You talk about impacting um, that young man back when you were with the Mallards, and you know it's still true today. I I wouldn't be the big hockey fan that I am today if it wasn't for guys like yourself on the Mallards and everything like that. Growing up in the um, the Quad Cities and watching you guys play, so even even myself, you've impacted. And who knows? Without you guys, I don't even know if I'd be doing this podcast or running the Facebook group and everything like that. So you know, I just want to say thank you for doing what you do and. I enjoyed watching you play growing up. And like I said, I don't even know if I'd be the hockey fan I am today without guys like yourself and Topper and Patrick Nadeau and Goulash and all the good old days, man. Yeah, no, man. And, and uh, you know, we wouldn't have been nothing without you guys because uh, somebody had to pay the bills, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. This has been absolutely awesome. You know, it's funny. I told him. Normally, I don't really tell my family who I'm, like, interviewing or whatever. I just kind of let it go off and do my own thing. But I was like, holy fuck, you know, I'm interviewing Mark McFarlane. Of course, all my whole family, we uh, watched you guys play, too. So, like, holy shit, that's awesome, you know, this and that. So, uh, I can't yeah. wait for them to give this a listen. But, uh, again, yeah, no, thanks, absolutely. thanks for coming on. Hey, Alec, and, and uh, I appreciate what you're doing here because, like I said, a lot of the old, like, you know, the old minor league guys, right, they don't put any light on them, right? And uh, the fact that you're doing that, like, I mean, that's so awesome. And then also uh, your service, uh, you know, I looked at your Facebook and stuff, and you're a Marine, man, and, and uh, that means a lot. And uh, I want to thank you for your service and everything you do for this country. And, and uh, guys like you, man, we can't do what we do, right? I appreciate that, man. I had a, I had a blast. I'll never forget my time in the Marine Corps. It was one of the best, worst times you ever have. <laughs> <laughs> I Absolutely. can't imagine, man. I I think I would have been a good Marine, but I'm glad I didn't have to do it. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, me, me and my buddies, we still talk almost every day, man. It's just it's the same thing like the locker room. You know, it's – Absolutely. I don't miss the Marine Corps too, too much, but, man, I miss the boys. 
I imagine, man. I imagine, yeah, yeah. No, but I, like I said, I just wanted to thank you for that too, Alec. Oh, I appreciate that, man. That means a lot coming from uh, coming from you. So, but I appreciate no, you coming on, man. And I can, again, can't thank you enough. This has been unreal for me. So, um, yeah, yeah, me too. Listen, we'll hook up sometime. I get down to Tampa. I'll, uh, I'll look you up. We'll have a cold one. Absolutely, man. Fuck, we got to have a couple. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. You're buying. Oh, okay, that's fine with me. Well, I drink Bush, so it's not that bad. <laughs> hope hope yeah, you man. like some well, piss no water. no problem, man. <laughs> Turn out all right, man, you have yourself a good night, Mark. All right, you as well. The I look forward to hearing it, all right? Over. Have a good one. All right. They say that all good things must end. Call it a night. The part is over. And tomorrow starts the same old thing again